0: If you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com or follow us on any of our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Live on Four Legs Podcast and on Twitter at LiveOnFour Legs Pod.
1: Something very interesting to grasp that, that of all places. In the middle of Tennessee, it would seem most like Amsterdam Holland. It's not A whole crowd told me to fuck off in Dutch right now, I wouldn't be surprised at all.
0: And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring Mr.
2: Stone Gosselin.
1: Fucking camera in the drum.
2: Mr. Boom Gasper!
1: You can call me Al, you can call me Ed, you just, just fucking call me, why I not you?
0: Hey everybody now, welcome to Live on Four Legs, a definitive live Pearl Jam podcast. Whether you're listening in for the 84th time or the first time, welcome back. We are a podcast that focuses on the Pearl Jam live experience. Anytime that you've been to a show, you know how special going to these shows are and you know the community and being around and hearing the songs and everybody has a special connection to it. We try to recapture that in every episode, and today we will try to do it with Bonnaroo 2008, a festival show, back-to-back festival shows as we come off, a really good show with uh, Pink Pop 2000. Let's see where the discussion falls, as we have a very good guest that we'll get to in just a second. But Randy Sobel here and John Ferrar over there.
3: Hello. How are you?
0: I'm doing fine. Yourself?
3: Not bad. Not bad.
0: All right. We... Uh, we don't want to leave our guest hanging, so why don't we uh, get some of our normal housekeeping things out of the way and and get right into talking about Bonaru.
3: What do you say? Yeah, things are things are kind of quiet in in pro jam world right now. We just had the the ten club email out, and just not a lot going on. So nope. they postponed the uh, the little well. Did you uh, live stream Did you listen to they were doing? So. did
0: you listen to Stones' uh, serious show?
3: I have not had a did? chance to listen to it yet.
0: I've listened to half of it. it's I mean, it's fantastic. It's Stone yeah. Gossard, you know, he yeah. talks about just the process of recording and he kinda talked about like at the eleventh hour Ed brought in three songs uh that weren't in before and it really changed the whole momentum of the album and those three songs are what you kinda expect to be the heart of the album almost, and it's 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 really interesting and, and he talks, you know, a fair amount about how Jeff um and most of what jeff did on the album is is very influential and he's really ran the ship for the whole thing so hmm. you know really good stuff i didn't i didn't get a chance to finish it but he said a lot of things like uh this song you know we were working on it we were rehearsing it and we thought it was going to sound really good live this one we were still working on so you know there's there's cool little tidbits in there it's definitely worth your time if you haven't
3: uh, yeah I definitely yet. i'm definitely interested in any behind the scenes gigaton stuff absolutely my hands on yeah Uh,
0: absolutely so uh anyway housekeeping for live on four legs stuff next week we are going to be doing our last fan standing well what is last fan standing uh you say it is an elimination trivia showdown and that sounds really threatening when it comes out of my mouth but that's kind of what it is what you know it's kind of almost like a car ride game where you kind of everybody picks a category. You pick a category and you're like, okay, go around the room and you say like, let's say Pearl Jam singles. So I would say even flow. John would say "Alive." Somebody else would say Jeremy and you'd keep going until somebody would get it wrong. And the person that would get it wrong is eliminated from the competition. So we'll ask a bunch of questions and we'll keep going until we have one person left the last fan standing so if that's something that you're interested in and want to do and it'll be more structured than than I said it, it it'll it you know that was just a small description of what it's going to be, but it's going to be a lot of fun, and, and uh, there might be some growing pains with it, so so hang out with us, but uh, send us an email at on 4 podcast at gmail.com, or get in touch with us on social media, let us know that you're interested it's, there's no cap limit we'll try to get as many people in as possible, it's, the whole point of the game is to try to whittle it down to one, and it's more interesting whittling it down from 30 to one, than it is whittling it down from 4 to one so, uh, anything else to add on that john or
3: no yeah it should be fun yeah the more people we get the better it's going to be so if you're interested if you're on the fence if you're thinking about it just send us an email let us know we'll give you some more information it should be a lot of fun
0: thursday june 25th let's say nine eastern how about that because that's that'll me. give people that'll give people from the midwest uh, time to put their kids to sleep and you know anybody from the west coast you know, right before dinner, right after dinner. I, I think that's, that's a good, solid time. So if you're interested, let us know. We get a good headcount beforehand. I think with Zoom, it's going to be on Zoom. So I think with Zoom, we got to give you, you know, an ID and a password, all that information. So we just want to get everybody who's interested and wants to be involved Uh, a chance to to get in touch with us and and uh, so we can get that info out to you when it when it comes time so the other thing that we have going on in a couple weeks we're going to be starting our monthly Wrigley series where we're going to be doing every Wrigley episode so uh, it's going to be awesome I mean there's so many things to talk about and one of the things that we want out of you guys is we just want to hear your stories we want to hear you know it could be any of the five shows it can just be one it could if you went to all five we just want to hear What your experience was like there's so much that goes in to all the Wrigley shows and so much that has happened with rain delays with merch and the weather everything has everybody has a story coming from this it's not just like I went to a show and it was awesome there there's a lot more so if you have a story that you want to tell again send us an email live on four likes podcast at com and we will get that in. We're going to do an episode that is specifically for the fan story. So we'll get all of the episodes in. It'll take all July to do. And then the last thing that we do is we'll release a nothing but fan story episode. So we'll try to get as many in as possible for that. And, uh, and then we're solid. We're golden. What do you think, John? I didn't leave you to say anything for that either. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I think you covered it, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be a big one. I, you know, like we talked about, you were at 2013. Mm-hmm. I was at both 2016 shows. So, uh, but yeah, we, we weren't at 2018. So especially those, we need your stories. So, yeah, we've already gotten a bunch. So thank you to everyone who's who's uh, been sending those in, and, and keep sending them.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, and of course, Patreon is there. Anybody that wants to subscribe over on Patreon will have some new material coming soon. Uh, we've been a little bit slow because, you know, it, it is that time, time of year and it's just kind of COVID still kicking all of our asses. So we are still planning to do Immortality Evolution series. We're still planning to do the next Bridge School episode, which should be night one of 1999. So everything will be on there. Uh, John and I are doing our top 25. That's going to be on there very soon. So uh, a lot of things to expect. And if you're a patron, you get the opportunity to come and join the show and tell your stories and i think that's the best thing that we can offer out of patreon and and maybe it's selfish because it's kind of for us that we get to be a first-hand witness to these stories and get to share them with you so maybe it's not selfish because we are sharing them a little bit but that is part of the patreon uh package Uh, if you join the bonus leg we you know, you get to pick an episode, and we'll get to it at some point in the future. But you pick the giggle leg and you guys get an opportunity to come on the show, and uh, we'll try to get it in as as soon as we possibly can. But today we have a really good guest on because he's been a friend of mine, and he's been a friend of Matt's since the Boston show, the Fenway show in two thousand and eighteen. We all kind of met up. It was it was sort of how would you describe it? it like I, I was handing out. The you know the business cards or the stickers or whatever, and every time I would I would go somewhere, you seemed to be there. You were riding around on a skateboard, <laughs> and you seemed to be every single place that I was. And we were just like, well, didn't I just see you? Shit, didn't I just see you over there? And then you know after like the third or fourth time, we we're just like, fuck it, we're friends now, and uh, that's kind of how it came to be. So, well, uh, I was actually following
4: you, dude. So. Yeah. <laughs>
0: We were we were trying to put together I don't know like a minion of some sort I I have no idea but uh, it was it was a fun day nonetheless and we made so many friends from that trip and thankfully we've kept in touch with a lot of them and and Mike you're you're one of them and thankfully you know you've uh, you've hung on and uh, and contributed to our Patreon so here we are and and you're you're on the show so everybody welcome Mike Packard he's going to talk a little bit about uh, Bonnaroo two thousand eight today how you doing man.
4: All right. I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for uh, having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Look forward to talking about the show. This is uh, my favorite show for a lot of reasons.
0: So let's, okay. Bonnaroo is a big thing. And I start that off by saying, stating the obvious, but it's this big festival. You got to camp out there. It's something I can never do. I can never do something that major. Uh, It's just not in my blood. It's
3: not even that far from me. Like, Georgia to Tennessee like I think about it I've, I've considered going but then like having to put up with all the people and the mud and the yeah. camping, and it's just it would just be too much for me I'm too old for that shit
0: yeah it's it's not my scene either
4: it's you know it's it's funny because that was that was the first year that I went to Bonnaroo and I only went because Pearl Jam was playing and it was my first Pearl Jam show I'd been a fan for a long time before that but for whatever reason when I was a kid My parents would never even, never let me go or, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know, there's a million bullshit reasons as to why I didn't go. But that one year I just remember being like Pearl Jam is playing at this festival. I'm going to go. And I was living in Virginia at the time and it was like a 10 hour drive and I was like, fuck it, I'm going. And so I went, um, and, uh, yeah, 10 hour drive went out there. It was, and it was, and you're right. It was huge that year. I think there was close to 80,000 people there. It was pretty intense.
0: Yeah, and from what I, you know, what I heard in the show and and some of the things I read, like my morning jacket played like a four hour set. Phil Lesh played a three or four hour set. Like there were some crazy things going on at this show. I think BB King played at this one.
4: BB King, BB King played. Willie Nelson played. <laughs> yeah, MMJ did that four hour set. Phil Lesh played for I think more than I think they played longer. Phil Lesh and friends I think played longer than MMJ. Um, I watched I watched the – they do a thing called Super Jam where they just bring a bunch of different random people that are playing that weekend and sometimes people that aren't even playing that just make a random guest appearance. And they put them in one of the big tents like on Saturday night and they just play random shit for like a couple hours. Well, that year Les Claypool was playing. That was when he had – his solo thing—it wasn't Oysterhead, it wasn't—it uh, wasn't Primus, but it was just Les Claypool.
0: Buckets of Bernie, what is, what was that one? The the Colonel Colonel Buckets of Bernie Brains or something? He's
4: got some weird, yeah, and right. And then he's got right now he's got the thing with uh, with Lenin, the Lenin Claypool oh. Delirium, which is fucking weird but really cool. Um, but anyway, so that year it was Les Claypool was playing, and there's this gypsy punk band called Gogo Bordello. Oh, I
0: know them, yeah.
4: Okay, yeah. So they played. That was the first time I'd ever seen them. I mean, this is in 08, so I, man, I think they had just come out. Just crazy energy. I saw um, them open
0: up for Bad Religion around that time. Did so. you really? Oh, that's yeah. badass. Uh, yeah. Uh, and they're, they're that a, religion's bad Religion's another band I've ever seen.
4: Yeah, they're crazy. But anyway, so then, and then Metallica headlined that year, too. So it was... It was Pearl Jam, Metallica, and Kanye. But let's not talk about Kanye, please.
0: We're going to have l- to
4: talk about Kanye. I literally have a, let's have save a fuck it. Kanye flag that I made. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that. Anyway, and I made it because of that show. But anyway, so that Super Jam thing, we're all just sitting there. We had no idea what was going to happen. So here comes Les Claypool with Gogo Bordello, and they start doing Tom Waits tracks. And then the next thing you know, two or three songs later, Kirk Hammett comes out. And then they play for about two hours, and they're just doing Tom Waits songs. It was... And it was pouring rain because it poured rain most of that weekend. Um, rain's all coming in under the tent under everybody. people are sitting down because it's like one in the morning it was it was miserable yet amazing and and just it was a lot of fun I'll, I'll never forget that weekend that was my first of seven bonrooos
0: that's so, that's incredible that's incredible yeah. I
4: just and... fell in love with that place me and a group of my friends and we just kept going back we just there's a, that farm is just it's uh, just does something at least to us anyway? People that can deal with it,
0: right? Yeah, I, I I've never been camping in my entire life, so I uh, I don't know if I'd be able to survive.
4: Yeah, you'd the probably everything die. It, you know, that's all right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's all right. Well, you know there there's an ambulance somewhere on the on that farm. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, there's medics. But... You'll be fine. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so Jack Johnson played at this show, uh, if I'm not mistaken, right? And uh, Eddie, Eddie got to perform with him.
4: Yeah, they did Constellations. It was funny because I was – I got in line about probably six hours before Pearl Jam was going to play. Um, and so I was like off on the side and I couldn't see that well. But I'm sitting there like – I could kind of see Jack Johnson on the stage because it was on the main stage. But we were like all crunched up next to the like the wall way off on the right side. And uh, he's like, yeah, you know, somebody gave me a, one of Jimi Hendrix's wah-wah pedals. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this thing. I don't even think I'm actually even supposed touch to it. touch it. Yeah, yeah right. Don't. And, and I'm sitting there like, yes, Jack Johnson, please don't touch Jimi Hendrix's wah wah pedal. But he did. He played it. And then probably I don't even know how many songs into the set, you know, he brings out Eddie, and you know, and they did constellations. And it was, uh, it was, it was really cool. And again, I was like crushed up against this wall waiting for them. Um, And it was still raining at that point, too, because it pretty much just rained on and off the entire weekend right before the set. And then it stopped raining. But we'll get into that. Um, So, yeah. So Jack did play. Long story long.
0: Were there a lot of safety issues with the show? Because, you know, Ed gets into it and at some point and they haven't done – whole hell of a lot of festivals to this point in 2006 they did Reading Festival and maybe one or two other in, in Europe they did Lollapalooza in 2007 and that was a big one and then they do this 2008 is not a huge tour year for them it's just kind of a, a 12 or 13 show East Coast leg and in I think this was the third of of the batch of shows uh, it, it just sort of kind of randomly pops up so it seems to me like they think that this is as big of a crowd as they've ever played to.
4: I will say at one point I was a little nervous. There was actually a few points. I was a little nervous and and you're right. Ned does bring it up. I mean, he says during the set and I know we'll get to it, but he says, I don't know if this is verbatim, but he just says like, you know, there was a, there was a, a long time where we thought we'd never play something this big again. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, obviously talking back to Ross Guild and, um before going into the set though i mean i remember because they've got a pit area and basically what they do is at every um every like major or every band or every artist that's playing on that main stage they basically they line you up they have a couple lines so they have one line that will be like the line for pearl jam and the other line would be the line for jack johnson right just as an example and they let that that They, they basically, they empty the, they empty out the one side, take everybody out of the pit and then they let everybody into line for that next act and they bring them in. Right. So we're sitting there waiting for everyone to basically, you know, for them to pull out everybody that's in there for the Jack Johnson set and pull us in. And the walls are like, basically like these like plywood walls, right? Like next to us, it's like basically separating backstage from like the rest of the festival. Um, and they're like shaking and I'll never remember. So I'm five, six, I'm a pretty short dude. And I'm like, I'm sitting there and I've got this guy who's probably six six foot plus standing over me, putting his hand on the piece of plywood, and people are pushing him and the wall is bowing. And all I'm thinking to myself is, this wall is gonna go down and people are just, you know, all these people are gonna fall on top of me and the rest of the people and we're all gonna get crushed. And I was just thinking, like, I I, I this same shit's just about is about to happen. Luckily it didn't. So I think maybe Ed did see that or somebody saw that or whatever. And that's what caused him to probably bring that up. And, and, and,
0: but yeah, so that was, uh, that was interesting.
4: Um, a little, a little scary at one point.
0: So let's uh, let's start the show. Let's get into this, you know, finally, you've been waiting for six hours, and, and they're taking the stage, and you're getting these goosebumps you've never seen Pearl Jam before, and this is kind of, I mean, this is so close to me, because at this point on this day, uh, I believe it was the 14th of June, I got... 11 days till I'm, I'm going to see them for the first time in Madison Square Garden. So this trajectory is, is very similar that we have here. And, you know, you're um, you have a lot of the same, I guess, goosebumps and, and thoughts and anticipations that I did. So, you know, they come out on stage and and the crowd is starting to roar They and they play something they've never opened with before this date. It's hard to imagine. Yeah. Hard to imagine, which is incredible because I think we now, it's only been open with six times incredibly because I, but I think we think of it as an opener because those six times it was so impactful and one of the six was obviously this and I think that's the reason why we always go back to it is maybe because of this moment. a picture.
2: Only
4: this thing where I take a record with me to so like almost every show I go to not just Pearl Jam shows but any shows I have a whole a whole wall behind me in my basement here it's just I think I've got 35 records that are signed and I just frame them, put them up so I had this you know this this crazy fantasy that I was gonna be able to meet one of the guys at least you know somebody and get get somebody to sign my record and I didn't bring 10 with me everybody always thought I brought 10 with me I brought Vitology with me it was my copy that I bought when I was a kid. So it was, it's, a, and I still have it. It's, I'm looking at it right now. And, uh, and I, I look at it and I hold it and I'm like, I held this at my first set at Ponaroo. Anyway, so there I am, right? I'm like, maybe eight or nine people from the gate. And then, yeah, that they came out and, you know, Ed comes out with his bottle of wine and, you know, I think that was a two bottle show. I think it was. Um, it had to have been. This is a lot, yeah. at least. Yeah. It's a Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah. And hard, I just remember hard to imagine coming on and I was just like thought to myself like again i had never seen them I had listened to maybe I don't know, maybe five or ten at most live shows I'm honestly like I'm not a I don't sit around and listen to a lot of live music I, I really don't and people think I'm crazy but I, I really don't so I listened to maybe five or ten in my life and I watched like you know the old pink pop shit and stuff like that but um I just remember hearing hard to imagine and i was like oh my god i was like this this is not something so i was like this is and i had heard stories from some of my friends who had been to a lot of shows that you know you just never know what you're going to get with this band and we all know that right probably everybody that's listening to this and you
0: guys as well especially we make our money off of that yeah exactly essentially you just
4: never know what you're gonna get it's never the same it's just yeah, it, it was, I, I listened last night, I, I put it on again, I've listened to it a couple times this last week, because I knew we were going to talk about it, and I just, you know, I hadn't listened to it, the the set in probably six months or so, and I just put it on, and when it just comes on, and you just hear the crowd, right, and it's just the crowd, I just get, and see, I'm getting goosebumps right now, I'm just talking about it, um, it's just coming on, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just magic, man, that's that's. That's the only way that I can describe it, and that doesn't even do it any justice.
0: You can never go back. There's only one first song, that first song that they play, that first chord, where you don't know what to expect. But even with Pearl Jam, where you really don't know what to expect, festival show, Into, hard to imagine, not a song they play very often. So there's a lot going for here. Yeah, that's that's a really that's a really good one to hit. John, I, the thing I wanted to bring up with you is that how the differences between the show that we did last week in Pink Pop two thousand and starting off with Corduroy and getting into Breaker for All, Animal, Hell Hell, and all those, and this one has more methodical pace. It's kind of like the marathon as opposed to the sprint that we said from last week.
3: Yeah, I think they knew that they were going to run late, and they they knew, you know, that they and. Bonnaroo is more of a relaxed atmosphere than a lot of those European festival shows where it's strict time and you got to be on by 9 o'clock and off by 11 o'clock and blah blah blah. Like Bonnaroo is a bunch of hippies. Like, whatever. Play till 6 in the morning. We don't care. Right? So, I think they... that, That kind of took the edge off of them a little bit and relaxed them a little bit. Like, hey, you know, we can maybe do some things here that we don't normally do. And, oh God, hard to imagine is a gorgeous opener. Like, I... I love it as an opener, I can't, like you said, only six times, that blows my mind, I would have thought it had been three or four times that, but, yeah, it's just, it's got such a nice build to it, the song itself, like, it puts on the guitar halfway through and, like, starts playing along and it really elevates the song to another level, I thought it was a perfect way to start the show, I thought it was fantastic
0: absolutely absolutely great way to ease everybody in and to give them something that really hits you emotionally and then you get the festival songs come come at you pretty hard and and pretty early here corduroy really starts to get the crowd going and and energetic and i think that's always when i'm thinking festival shows you gotta have corduroy at one or two there's no other way to do it you just you got fans from all walks of life you have longtime fans you have uh people that are seeing them for the first time and people that aren't necessarily huge pearl jam fans but they know the legacy of pearl jam corduroy is always going to be a song that sticks with somebody so I, I like this is a perfect spot to to get the crowd riled up and and mccready's doing some really cool stuff with this it's uh it, it, this was I gotta, I gotta think for you the transition between the two here and going from like you know whoa that was sort of that tugged at my heartstrings a little bit and this is now getting me fired up I'm jumping around I'm dancing and all that like what's the, the channeling of emotions there
4: yeah that's and that's again it's just with this band it's just what they do they're just you know they're there's artists, I don't know the best way to put this, I'm probably not going to put this the right way, but they're just like, they're artists of emotion, right? They just know, they know exactly the type of, they know the type of crowd that they're at. I mean, you know, John, back to your point about, you know, it being a festival, it being a little bit more, a US festival being a little bit more laid back. But to be able to take that and architect a set like that, that, that gets you into this mood where you're just like you're there with them they know that you're they're bringing you there with them right and they're like kind of holding you right <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds crazy but like this is how i feel right this is how it makes me feel it's like it's like they're holding you right and you're just like going through this like this this crazy like just euphoric kind of feeling and then it just comes right in like with corduroy and just punches you right
3: I think Ed is the best of all time at constructing a set list and putting ups and downs and highs and lows and moments like he is absolutely the best of all time at doing that
0: this this show especially is such a great example of not just feeding into the festival crowd it's it's feeding into everybody and I think he and there's a, a really good moment that's later in in the main set that to me is the absolute perfect construction of like a four or five song run that that really works well for the crowd that they're working with. So, um, yeah, no. Well, there, there was
3: a cool moment thing. in Corduroy, too, when you had, uh, and you see it a little bit in the video, you had Stone goes over to Jeff and Mike's side for like the whole middle part and just kind of jams that they have like a little three-person. I've talked about in other shows. I always love that when like you get two or three of them hook up and like they kind of like lock and like jam out a little bit. Like, This time it was it was three of them doing that i don't know if you remember that mike i don't know where you were standing if you if you remember that if you could see that but that struck me as something really cool early in the show that just lets you know like hey we're having a good time they're they're in good spirits you know anything can happen
4: yeah i honestly i don't remember that right off the top of my head but i know exactly what you're talking about and i've seen that at many shows i mean my probably my favorite example of that is when you see mike go over and kind of duel with boom I love that, right? Like, so that's mm-hmm. just kind of the same you get thing. That you know? a I always times on yeah. Show, I always but, say them cooling, and so no, John, I don't. I don't remember that specifically, but uh, yeah, I know exactly okay. what you're talking about. And, and, and that was the vibe. It was just a, it was a great vibe that entire show. I mean, you could just tell. I mean, was, I mean, I think even by maybe the sixth or seventh song, Ed was just pouring sweat, and I mean, and it wasn't even that hot. I mean, it was it was it was like this perfect evening, and it was just they were they were really into that set you could just you could just tell
0: following up on corduroy and you you can tell like that they're in a good mood good enough to bring a song that they've never played live to the stage in the beginning of their set like that is some ballsy shit to bring all night they would never played it before, and 2008 was really kind of the the coming out party of this song. And there were a lot of songs in this set list that really speak 2008, and, and Hard to Imagine is one of them that I feel kind of peaked at its at its live. You know, they played it a lot more in 2008. There's there's more coming within the set that I'll mention as well. But all night you get this a lot after the after this, and it feels like they were feeling it that year. In the crowd really knew what it was, and I don't think it really struck people that it was the debut of the song. But I, I feel like it worked. There were there were little things that got better once they kept, continued to play it in 2018 performances that got better and better. But uh, really, for for a song that they didn't hadn't played at all. Whew. Sounded pretty good. Yeah,
4: I didn't. I didn't know. Honestly, I had no idea. I remember later on. It might have been maybe a couple months after that. No, it wasn't even. It was it had to be. It was pretty recently after that because I was so just like in awe of that set. I remember reading and I was going through. You know, there wasn't a ton of stuff online. This is in 2008. I mean, there was, but it wasn't nearly as what it is today. But um, I, I remember reading Ryzen's something about that there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So I just remember being like, holy shit, that was the first time they ever played that. And these guys have been playing together for, you know, almost 20 years at this point. You know, I'm like, wow, that's
3: really, yeah, well, really Box cool. Lost Dogs came out in 2003. He had this song in his back pocket for five yeah. years. We, I mean, we didn't think it would yeah. ever get played.
0: I mean, really, it was more like 12 years because it was a no-code loss, uh, Lost Dog. So, yeah. they had it a lot longer than that. But, yeah. But, again, like this whole section here all night into why go why go is another one. That's just like Corduroy. You get the same kind of energy. You get the same kind of, you know, everybody in the crowd is doing the haze in the beginning. And, and you just want that. You just want that energy to keep going, the momentum to keep going. And, and it feels, you know, it, it's more, this is way more closer to normal Pearl jam set than maybe most festivals are. Cause you get that, that little break and that little poppy section coming up next. But um it's still like this is this is the way that i want a festival to be kicked off if it's if pearl jam is playing
3: and like two rare songs out of the first four that should have let let you know ahead of time this is going to be special
0: yeah there are three lost three lost dogs out of the first six songs which is not something you would expect from a festival but uh after why go ed mentions it's pretty good to be up here and for a time that they wouldn't play stages like this like we mentioned before because of unfortunate things that happened in the past but with great people on stage and this being a perfect night we're taking nothing for granted and then he says since basically i'm looking out at
1: a small town right now we're gonna play this one for you one two three four i seem to recognize
0: This one, you know, out of the couple times that I've talked to you about this show, I think you mentioned it every single time.
4: Yeah, that was, that was so, that'll always be, I, I bring it up every time because it is one of those things that I just remember. So th- again, that being the first first time I had been to Bonnaroo that was the first I had been to festivals like I, I you know I grew up in upstate New York and I went to you know Adirondack Music Festival in the DAX a couple times like early 2000s which were really cool I saw bands like Ween, Disco Biscuits and Amon Tobin some really weird off, awesome shit but uh that was the biggest thing I'd ever been to and I just remember like being so close to the stage and they turned on the lights right and I remember Ed like kind of putting his hand up right like so he could kind of see you know kind of blocking the light and it just lit up and the, it, the crowd went beyond the like back walls right like the retaining walls like where the right main stage area was and people were back into like the camping areas it was like the whole entire festival was there it was and, th- and that's when he said it was like you know since i'm basically looking out over a small town and two, two, and i just you know and then and then you get this eruption right of then so now we go from we go from tugging at, at your heartstrings to give me some energy right to god damn it let's have a sing along yeah, yeah right
1: <laughs> so and it was just
4: i mean what's the word i've been using here magic yeah yeah magic could be the there one.
3: there were more people at the show than were in the town that I grew up in, so that is accurate. Yeah. That's
4: <laughs> yeah. incredible. So what again, it was a small right town, right? I mean, yeah, 80,000 plus people. I don't, you know, I gotta go back and look at the stats and see how many people were there, but.
3: I think they say around 72, 75. Is that what they said? Yeah. But, but who knows, like, yeah, if you're talking about people back in the camping, like, yeah that there's no way we'll ever get an accurate
0: count. This is a little bit of a a popular section here. You get uh, Down after Elderly Woman. And the one thing that I I wanted to mention before we kind of scramble some songs a little bit, I did want to mention just Boom's section on Down. I don't know if I've ever recognized Boom's part before, but it feels like there's a lot of Boom coming out of some of these songs that usually doesn't. I don't know if, John, I don't know if you noticed that.
3: Uh, not in down, definitely in a couple of the later ones I did, but yeah, he's he definitely started. I think starting in two thousand six, they really worked on flushing out his role in the show because I think that two thousand three, two thousand four, he would kind of play sometimes, and sometimes he wouldn't really do a whole lot. Right. But I think by by two thousand six, two thousand eight, they had they had really had time to rehearse and and figure out what he was going to do on on every song. So yeah, it's just a chance for them to add some some layer and some like some different you know. Things to some existing songs that you know give it some depth. You know, I liked it. Uh,
0: who you are follows up, and that's another like. Who you are came back and had this resurgence in 2008 Matt had never played the song before this year I I believe it was that West Palm Beach show that they either started the tour on I'm not sure which one there there were two shows before this and one of those they they brought back who you are for the first time in uh, 370 shows and this is the second performance that they've ever done so um, with, with Matt so adding that in like that's another that kind of separates it from the pack. And, and when you look at what they did Bonnaroo 2016, they didn't throw a lot of these songs out there that night. This is, this makes the set unique for sure.
3: Yeah. Who you are is definitely a highlight. Like it started out with like Matt doing a different kind of drum intro. Like and we talked about it on the other the show that we covered where, you know, that was his idea where he was rehearsing like, Hey guys, I think we can do this. Like I, I what do you, what do you think about this for who you are? you know, they ran through it and liked it and yeah if it's, if it's working then you keep playing it so yeah they played who you are a bunch in 2008 but it's got like some acoustic guitar accents stone doing some really cool stuff like this is this is a great version of who you are i, I love these 2008 versions of it
0: yeah and you know going with the whole theme here and later on in the set there are a lot of songs where you look in and, and look at the the runtimes on iTunes and you'll see you know, eight and a half minutes, seven and a half minutes, there are a lot of very long songs. And maybe that's, they're getting the nature of being in Bonnaroo and, and just, hey, let's jam out a little bit. And it feels like this one is one that maybe you don't even think that Who You Are is one they jam out on at all, because may, maybe it's like a the number three song on an album, and, and that's not usually what you do with the third song on an album. But they this is a jam song, and it just kind of doesn't hit you until, you know, they play a version like this.
3: The hippies were into it. That's for sure. <laughs> they have no idea who
0: or where they are. We have a little severed hand and half full and animal all in a row. Um, you're getting back to basics with you know your hard and fast songs, your solos, your your crowd getting into the rapid pace. Animal, usually not in the middle of the set, so it can kind of throw people into a loop a little bit when you think severed hand and half full, not everybody is into the avocado not everybody is into riot act as much as they are versus vitalogy 10 so you throw animal in it's usually top three top four mix it into here and those people that might not have been really into half full which was an awesome performance i'm kind of you know it's one of those songs that i I forget about for a month or two and then i listen to it i'm like oh I i love this song and you know, you bring animal back after that and it sort of brings the whole crowd back. Ed
3: gets to do the
0: call and response with uh, I'd rather be and ev- everybody's back. I feel like that was that was a really good moment to get the crowd invested in.
3: Yeah, this is the McCready let loose section. He always gets he always gets a few songs in the middle of the set to do his thing.
4: Yep. Yep. And I remember and and you know, it's obviously, you know, you get into you know the the even flow and, and all of that where yeah, he just goes nuts. But that was the again. Obviously, that was the first time I experienced that.
0: So yeah, even even flow and daughter uh, after the animal section, um, and it obviously gives love to both Matt and Mike during this. Daughter is a highlight in the show, I think, because you get a really passionate tag from this. That's not there's not an actual tag. They just kind of do that like
3: the was, hey ho, it was let's a go. Little, a little Joy Division in there, I heard yeah i was
0: wondering i it sounded too specific and it's not there's no actual tag anywhere listed but i i don't know joy division that well so i couldn't i couldn't put it together
3: oh so good yeah that that's that was their big hit the level terrace apart he he does a couple of lines of that you know after a little bit of the call and response thing it's really cool
4: didn't know what it was when i heard it i didn't because i don't think i ever really even knew who joy division was Mm -hmm. to like probably like 2009 2010 yeah yeah. i would have freaked out if i'd been there
0: i thought this was definitely a good highlight from this night though you again one of the songs that is being played up to like eight or nine minutes and you know you just kind of get invested and even ed said at the end of the song he's kind of like i don't I don't know uh, what I did there. Sorry, I got negative, but didn't mean to do that. And he just kind of went off. It's harsh so, and
3: everybody's mellow. Yeah, Bonner not that vibe, man.
0: So Ed was also mentioning here something about gas prices and how uh, I guess when Bush took office, gas was a dollar forty six and then at that point as he was about to leave office it was closer to four dollars but said when he wrote this song uh which is one of ed's very many car songs that he has gas was about 250 and that's how you get into gone and this is kind of where like the even flow daughter gone and then you know following the rest of the set this is where i said i thought that he put this set together beautifully because you get two hits, and you get, they're they are long, they're jam-packed, they got a lot of stuff going on in there, and you get Gone, which is a perfect transitional song. You know, it's something they don't play too often, Avocado Tours, so it's still promoting the album. It's the perfect way to segue to what I think is the absolute highlight of this night, and that's Love, Rain, Army. And it, like, you couldn't have built... To that moment, better than that. It's not. It's not a big song you have to sing to. It's not. It's it's one you can take a break from, and it just felt like the tide completely turned. If there were anybody else playing on any other stage, they would have shut it down because Love Rain or Me was probably you could have heard it from about nine towns over. It was. It felt like it was that. I don't know if if this is if I'm accurate here. Look. You were the one that they were that that was there, but it that's exactly the way that it came off listening to it on this bootleg
4: well, when you go back to talking about boom and those specific moments in that set where boom just really it was just the spotlight on him, that was so powerful and my friend Chris that was with me, who we that was our first Bonnaroo together. And that was our first Pearl Jam show together. And he is – he like Ed, he's a – who is his favorite all-time band, right? And that was so powerful. And I remember, like, kind of looking around and, like, not everybody really got it, right? Of course, right? So there's – you know, not everybody really knew what it was. But there was just this kind of, like, overwhelming sense of, like, just – that, how that song intros? I don't really know the best way to describe it, but just Thunderous. how that song. Int- yes, yes, thank you. Thunderous. 100%. And when it comes, yeah, and when it comes in, and it just hits that. You know, it just, it just floored you, right? And you're right; it was just so powerful. Oh, So Yes was there. And you're right. I mean, that... I don't know if I would say it was the kind of the, the highlight or the pinnacle of the set.
0: I'm saying it, it stole the show. I, I came out of this with nothing but, but absolute fondness for this, this version. And credit to them, they had only played this song three times before this point. And, like, this is one I feel like Ed has to be... Absolutely at the top of his game to say, all right, we're going for it. Today. Like, this is at the best, biggest moments, the best moments. It doesn't get busted out. Even in 2018, I don't think they played it at all. Um, but he needed to be at his best. He was, I mean, you get to the last point. And when that final, you know, that final scream where he's going to belt it out, he he has... Yeah. Yeah. nothing left
5: because yeah, he
0: used it I all used yeah. everything in the rest of the song but it's I think if they made like a DVD compilation of this whole entire night and you were to ask me to pick one or two songs from the set list I would absolutely say pick Love Rain Over Me and, and show that crowd going all the way to the back and I, I love what they usually do they usually dim the lights real low and they're kind of like blue and it's kind of ominous kind of shade um I, yeah this is this to me is, is just incredible it's it's filling atmosphere it's it belongs in a sun it the was
3: on the every time. it was on the fan club single that year right not, not this version yeah but the studio yeah. version oh was it really oh I didn't know yeah that.
0: you're right oh, that's cool you're right because they would go on to do it I don't know if, if it was on the 2007 fan club single or 2008. Yeah, it's one would, of
3: those two. Yeah.
0: They would do it at a VH1 right. Rock of Honor right. later that year for the Who. So.
3: Oh, and you know Ed's been listening to Quadrophenia since he was seven, eight, nine years old. <laughs> right. So he know he knows these songs inside and out. And he he doesn't even have to how think many about times. Them. Yeah, how many times he he's it
0: there? You know, cosplaying Roger Daltrey.
4: Well, and that's the thing too. When you think about this, right? remember thinking to myself and i and i think this often right like when i'm watching any band right especially a really big band that's playing something like a crowd that size and they get to play something and when you know like so we all know ed is like a who fanatic right um and this guy lives in this perfect world where like pete townsend is, is his best friend type shit you know like jesus what a life you know it reminds me kind of like dude guy girl right but like i just remember thinking to myself like This guy is up on stage belting out with all, everything he has a song from his favorite band, right, to 80,000 people. Like, just imagine, imagine if like one of us were in a band and we got really big, we were playing that kind of crowd. And like, you got to go up there and just do a Pearl Jam song, like your favorite Pearl Jam song, and just give it everything you got to the point where at the end of it you have nothing left right like that that to me is just so i i can't even fathom what what that's got to feel like
3: Um, i do that in karaoke every saturday night
4: (laughs) (laughs) in your basement yeah that's right (laughs) fantastic
3: this this part of the set starting with with gone and love rain over me i think it elevated this set i think the energy the the level of musicianship the level of the crowd intensity i think this was the point where everyone started to realize like this is what's happening here is pretty special and like almost every song after this has has some kind of cool moment in it like that this part of the set really took off and really elevated it to a different level
0: yeah for sure um evolution river mirror finish you off on the first set and this is a this is a three encore show you're here for a while so and you can even tell evolution and rear view mirror ed is is still in post love reign he's he's feeling it still and he's gotta he's gotta catch up a little bit his voice is, is a little bit behind it's a little bit off it doesn't matter they're Both pretty thunderous versions, especially Rearview Mirror, Uh, another big standout from this show. The section that I love from Rearview, this is a great bridge, and it's backed by Jeff's Rhythm, and you get all three guitars that just sort of go in all different directions, and it works, melds in so perfectly, and then Matt kind of does something, It's, it's just Jeff and Matt, and like you hear a little bit of mike in the background and and it's sort of that bridge collapsing moment where they break back into the song and it's one of the best from this from versions of Rear Mirror that I can remember in a long time your your grand finale so you got to do something big it, it's everybody's anticipating they're all clapping and I, I feel like they absolutely nailed it there there that was one of the best in any song besides like loverrin on me like one of the best moments to build to, to the end of the song it, it was just absolutely perfect
3: yeah it's almost uh, I don't want to know, you know we know we talked about how rear review mirror has like they kind of steal elements of like The Beatles, Pink Floyd, Fugazi, you know, whoever else that they, they kind of channeled during that middle part. Would you say that this one had a little bit of like, almost a Grateful Dead kind of middle section influence in it, since they were kind of playing to that crowd?
0: It had a, yeah, it, it had a jammy vibe, that's for sure. Um, I, I've, I've heard a couple of versions that have had very similar kind of Grateful Dead. It was kind of spacey, it was kind of out there. And when you right. get and usually when i think of that i think more pink floyd because that's sort of that's their ordeal but yeah this i I could see that it was it was a lot more jammy it was kind of spaced out a little bit more instead of just you know hammering everything in in a row there
4: it's different that's the thing and you guys i mean you guys nailed it right i don't really have to elaborate any further but i mean like
0: when, when you're there, like that's such, a, isn't that such a huge moment? Where like I, f- I feel like this is, this is one of the songs that I knew. If I saw this in my first show, I would remember it forever because it, you know, it has that, it, it's that sort of impact. And I, I, I can, I can just see looking around. Did you, did you look around? Did you get to take in the atmosphere yeah, of this? world? How, how are
3: you feeling at the end of this set? Where? where yeah. are Yeah.
4: I mean, at the end of that set. sweating my ass off right i'm i've just got a giant smile on my face which i pretty much did the entire set um i mean everybody else and and that was the thing with this set is it was i mean you guys already we already said it but it's long it's a very long set and it's like this emotional roller coaster right it's all over the place but everybody is still there it's still packed i mean i'm like i've been to a few Pearl Jam shows where like I'm up close and it's I'm not like so I'm I'm not super crunched in like I've got a little bit of space around me right but like this one I was it was packed and it stayed packed until you know 20 minutes after the final encore so yeah I mean at that point it was I mean we were just it almost felt like and you guys I, I feel like a lot of people get this Maybe everybody does. I don't know. But it's always like it always goes by so fast. It always feels like it goes by so fast, right?
0: Oh, when so you're like, in the middle of it, it takes so long to get there. And then I, once you're in it, it, it's over in a flash for sure.
4: Well, that's the thing. Like you sit there and listen to a full album that's, you know, 50 to 60 minutes long. And I mean, it's like, holy shit, I just listened to a whole album. And an hour, of your, an hour went by and you didn't realize it. So like at that point, it's like a lot of time has gone by. How much more do we have left? Well, don't worry, we got a good amount left. <laughs> Nobody knew that, obviously. How about how about,
0: how about three encores left? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. That's and granted, it's the the third is is just kind of a, a one song tailender, but it still counts. It's still three, so there's a lot of time left, and and it's not just song depth; it's time of songs too, because you got a couple of here that are, you know hitting on close to 10 minutes so uh let's 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 strap in for this ed immediately coming out of the encore says you know something interesting to grasp in the middle of tennessee uh you mentioned this before the melting pot um it's like amsterdam if you told me to fuck off in dutch right now i wouldn't be surprised at all (laughs) like that's such a perfect description of what's happening you know it's smoke filled i'm sure and yeah i big big moment of this show and this you get wma and this is probably the most relevant pearl jam song at this current moment and at this time they hadn't played this song full they've tagged it a lot you know that doesn't doesn't really count in the metrics and the numbers so they haven't played this song full in 458 shows
3: and it's 95. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Matt's never played it in full before. Um, it's only the ninth full performance and they're doing it in more of a unique style. You stones out with the, the acoustic guitar and he's really taking the lead instead of, you know, this was a very Davey heavy drum intro where, you know, that's the defining, sound of the song is the drums and the drums sort of take a little bit of a back seat. It's, it's kind of, you know, aside from kind of getting a little bit heavy in the middle, it sounds like this is the trajectory. If they were to do this at a bridge school show, this is the direction that they would take it. It's, it's, you know, a little bit toned down, obviously bridge school would be much more toned down, but it, um, you know, it doesn't have that thunderous, uh you know kind of kick in that it usually does but you know what to they kind of have to mix it up you're bringing it back after all these years you kind of have to figure out a way to bring it back and nobody realizes it until the lyrics come in
2: you a lot when he was born
0: you had any idea because like once he sings that first line you hear the crowd just erupt
4: yeah i i I, again i was this is this is another one that i was i was trying to like project myself back to the set and trying to remember I, i i don't think anybody Yeah, to your point i don't really feel like anybody really knew that wma was coming i i i can i i don't fully remember again i mean this is you know this is, this is quite a while ago, but I'm I'm trying to to think back like, what did we, what did what were we thinking? What and I think it was probably just like, you know, we thought just like kind of some kind of random jam piece was kind of coming in, and then yeah, when the lyrics come in, I mean, it just everybody knows WMA. I'm just, you know, it's like I don't know, maybe not everybody knows WMA, but that's one of those songs that I just think like, you know, if if you know. Any of the like early Pearl Jam stuff, right? And you think it's back like to Versus, you you just you sure. yeah, you know it, right? So like, and a lot of people there, you know, it, I I I'd say I'd say a majority of people knew Pearl Jam. Probably a lot, obviously a lot of casual fans, but yeah, I mean, it just people just went nuts. I mean, that was that was uh that was that was very cool.
0: Look. This led to five more performances in 2008, and it's another one that we mentioned before, like All Night and uh, Hard to Imagine, and even Love, Rain, or Me, you know, being played at that VH1 uh, uh, gathering. These songs define the two, this little 2008 tour to me, of who you are as well. So, you know, it, it's got its little... 2008 maybe not remembered for a whole lot but it's got it's little unique niche where they went back to a lot of songs that they wouldn't even bring back today
3: yeah it kind of puts a little time stamp on
0: it. but look they bring it back it, it hits really well it's a great version um you know Again, we, we get a little bit of a somber tone from Matt. It's it's not you know the it's not going crazy like Dave used to do, but it still works tremendously. And then this is this is a whole right here. This is just this could be your show, and and this was really twenty minutes worth of your show. So you get Better Man into Black, two of the biggest crowd participation songs back to back. And it's sort of taking part of, I guess, the, the early, you know, leading lead in section to get to, to something faster and something bigger. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot going on here with both of these songs. Um, so just these are cl- crowd pleasers. Yeah. It was the crowd pleased. That's what that, I want
4: to Well, so, so if you guys ever get the opportunity, which you will, and you have, if you ever go on YouTube And you just search for Pearl Jam Bonnaroo two thousand eight. There's like a professional level video that was made for the Better Man set, and it like it's it it sucks because they cut out like half of like the Save It For Later outro, Mm. which sucks. But that's why you just listen to the boot. But um, that sing along, that really like that was one of the one of the kind of like. Defining moments of the show, I think, because that was probably at that point the most powerful kind of crowd engagement or sing along, whatever you want to call it, at that point. She lies and says she's in love with him. She dreams
2: in color, she dreams in red.
0: It was sort of almost a break in character because it sounded like he kind of said it off mic. He's like, Whoa, that that was that was beautiful, you guys. Like, yeah, like, he
4: said, Well, he that's what he said. He goes, That's fucking beautiful. That's exactly yeah. what he said. And then the whole crowd just goes nuts, right? And yeah, uh, so then they play it, right? But then that's when they get into the the Save It For Later outro, which I had never heard, right? I didn't know what that was, right? And I heard it, and I was just like, and it was, but it just went on forever, it seemed like, right? And it was so cool. Um, and then, yeah, right in, right into Black. And it was like, I, I remember, what did Ed say exactly? He said something about, like, you know, it's so beautiful, something, something. And then he said, and, and now I'm going to play you the saddest song I know.
0: Yeah, he said something about he was able to see as far back as he was able to like as far back as as the festival went he was able to see everybody at that point and that sort of that's why i think about this section right here because you have two two of the you know the most uh uh emotional heart heart strong songs and everybody is there you know getting to feed off of
3: this so well you got to be getting close to one in the morning too don't forget about that
0: Oh yeah. Let's get, let's get back to black. It's just, um, uh, I mean, Ed and Mike are synced up perfectly and, uh, you know, atmospheric in front of all those fans, 70, 80,000. And Ed bringing in, you know, the, the, the subtle touch of we didn't belong together instead of we belong together. It just like, that's, that stuff that you just remember. And the whole crowd. Yeah. The whole crowd doing the do doo, doo, do's like that's just to me. There, there you go. That's why you go to the big shows like this.
4: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can't. Again, you just can't. You can't justify what that makes you feel like. Words just can't. You just can't do it. I mean, it's. I look at so many of those shows I've been to, and, and I get that. I just, I yeah. I, you know, I I I don't want to sound like a jerk here, but uh, it's just magic. It really is.
3: I mean, yeah, they can reach that transcendent level more than a lot of bands. I mean, they can reach it more times in a set than some bands do in their whole careers.
4: They're unpredictable. They really are. You just have no idea what's coming, right? But then there's just, even when it's like, here's these couple kind of like B side tracks, you know, they throw in some Lost Dog stuff or they throw in whatever, and it's just kind of like, yeah, I don't know what this is, right? And then all of a sudden, oh, here is even flower, or
0: oh, here is black, or here is better man, or here is corduroy, or here is rearview mirror, and It goes, goes back to Long how cover. well he's mixing everything in, everything well together again, everything right? Everything is, in. yeah. He, he knows this little section right here is going to be the one that everybody's going to take home with them, and and you know the one where he he wants to take this is almost selfish for Ed that he wants to take in as mu- the crowd as much as he wants the crowd to respond to what they're doing he this is his moment as well this i mean we can't really glance over much of this life wasted is not much to to discuss here the one thing that john i wanted to bring up is i felt from this version that i kind of i don't know i kind of wanted more maybe it was following black and it was following such a deep black that it's kind of Put that song in in a tough position, but yeah, I think it's just it's sort, sort of a
3: victim of, of placement. Like you can't right. follow you can't follow up that with with something else and expect it to stay at that level. They they needed a little something a little more light hearted to to kind of like give everybody a chance to take a breath.
0: It's just sort of your transition for Crazy Mary and Porch because those are two other big epic and you would think arena songs but it's bigger than that it, it's it's the big you want to play songs that feel like they can fill the entire city and crazy <laughs> mary and porch are two songs that fit into this category just as well as better man and black do so boom is on this and they're doing the duel they're going back and forth you're in the crowd, everybody's enjoying this, this is a jammy, you know, hippie kind of vibe here, and I feel like this is the perfect song to get them involved.
4: Yep, yeah, it was the same kind of thing, right, when you go back to, like, just the the, the style of the jam, if you will, I don't know if that's the best way to describe it, but yeah, I mean, just, uh, just how, I, I mean, I'm not, I talked about this before, just I, I love when those guys do their when they duel right I, I love that I, that's like one of my one of my favorite things about Pearl Jam shows I, I just love seeing those two go back and forth which sounds crazy because there's so many other great things about Pearl Jam shows but uh yeah I mean at this point you got to think we're now like it's like yeah it's like what 1:30 in the morning now roughly something like that I mean we've been going hours literally I mean like it's ever and But everybody's still into it, everybody's going nuts because that's the thing, going back to the set list, right? Like, you can just, you have this like, you're, you're kind of like going, you're, you're ebbing and flowing kind of throughout the set, right? You've got your, little, you're calming down, you're a lot of energy, you're, you know, all of that. And then now, all of a sudden, yeah, coming out of, of Better Man and Black and then you go into, yeah, I mean, Life Wasted, whatever. Right, I think that was a, just a kind of like a, hey, I need to go get a drink, right? Even though nobody was going, could move anywhere. Nobody was going anywhere. That was the thing too. And I don't know if Ed realized that when he was putting that set list together. He had to. There's so many fucking people there. But um, I think that I probably forgot. In fact, I know that I forgot. And I'm willing to bet that a vast majority of the audience forgot that we're sweating our asses off. It's past one o'clock in the morning. We've been going at this now for, you know, this is Saturday night, so we've been, a lot of us got there Thursday afternoon, camping, it's hot, raining, it's, you know, whatever. You just completely forgot about it and everybody's just going nuts. And I mean, and we're just, we're ready, right? To, to me, and to a lot of us, it was almost like the set just began. Like, all right, cool, let's go, what's next, right?
0: And honestly, they, 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 there's so much more time left and it it feels it feels like it's more than five or six songs it feels like it's i I actually did the math on it because i wanted to see how long i had to finish listening to it before before dinner and i think from porch until the end of the show was about 45 to 50 minutes i think you're not wrong there's a lot of there's a lot of time in between this so uh let's get let's get to porch because porch is really really impactful here as well and it's just it's a classic ed moment um and john i'm gonna defer to you just because the the state of the world that we're living in right now like could these words that ed is saying here be more relevant to today oh
3: yeah we talk. we should we should play the whole thing i not the whole version, of porch, but the whole the little speech there we talked about oh, last yeah, week yeah, yeah. with with Pink Pop, where you know listening to Rival just kind of punched me in the face and like got kind of emotional listening to it because you're just like, man, this song like it just kind of hits you in the right place out of nowhere. And this too, like when he goes in that speech in porch, like yeah, could not be more relevant for for 2020 and everything that's going on right now. Before when I was talking about seeing all the lighters and see how many people.
1: We have here, uh, as much as music brought you here, I I am absolutely sure that a song or music cannot change the world. Absolutely positive of this. It can have a slight effect, it gets us through, but it cannot change the world. But you all, this many people, It is determined, it is positive, it is proven that this many people can change the world. How do we know? Because it is written, it is stitched into the fabric of our flag, it is welded into our Constitution, that the people have the right to make change. and not only the right, but the responsibility to make change. You can hear this? Is this mic working? In this planet, you know, there's a time and place for all this, right? This kind of talk, but this has to be the time. It can't get any worse. We can't let it get any worse. This has to be the time, and we're right in the middle of America, and we have the power to change the whole world, because is the superpower, right? You're Americans. You can change the whole world. So this is the time, and this is... Do you agree with me? Is this the place? because I'm saying this stuff just to even remind myself.
3: Just a, a classic version of Borch. You know, 10 plus minutes. He probably talks for a minute and a half, two minutes almost. But yeah, just... I mean, they, they could have stopped after this and then that would have been the showstopper. But yeah, this is one of the highlights, definitely.
0: Yeah, he's just... He's got everything to. He's getting super, just passionate and emotional, emotional about it too. Because he's, you know, he'll say it when we get to know more. He'll say how mad and angry he is that nobody's talking about the war still going on. And this is, this is part of that. This is part of him channeling that. And we're at a time. This is. I mean, look. This is equidistant. We're in June, and they're in June, and you know, we got. However, many weeks until we got an election, and we're uh, we're looking forward to change and, and looking towards you know a new administration, hopefully. And you know they're they're thinking on that for for them at that point. There has to be a new, new administration, no matter what. So um, there's just so many unique parallels that are going on with this and with now. That like it couldn't have come at a better time. I, I'm I'm hoping everybody hears this and 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 feels inspired by by his words because I couldn't remember a better Ed pick me up speech than something like this. They go off, they take a break, and this is again no more being another that's you know the definitive 2008 songs. You get basically all of them that kind of define this this small. Uh, short tour year this one's in here too and i i want to say they probably played this every show this tour and if not every show maybe one night they missed it but this is i mean this is so important to him and thomas young who we've mentioned on the show before and you know ed mentions him a lot at this time ed is is pissed off because thomas is at this point transitioning Um, you know, uh, he was in a wheelchair and I think at this point he was just coming out of a coma and transitioning into a different, tougher phase of his life. And, you know, he said he was, he was still, still angry about everything that, that, that was going on. And he wanted to, in his words, bring, bring everybody home. And, you know, you feel, you feel it within the performance too.
4: It's really hard to kind of put into words. I mean, again, just for. It, for that time and right now, yeah, it's, it is, uh, it's, that's, a, that's a, that's a hard one for me to, that's a hard one for me to listen to and get through a lot of the times. It just, yeah. And, and you can tell, I mean, Ed was, I mean, you hear it in his voice, but I remember sitting there listening to him and I, <laughs> I almost like, I, I, I do vaguely remember like sitting there listening to him talk and I remember you always get those people that are just like, Joe, shut up, just play a song, blah, 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 blah. I don't think anybody, if I remember, I don't think anybody said anything. Everybody was like listening. Everybody knew he was serious and he felt so, to your point, he felt so strongly about it, right? It, it just, it was, yeah. It was, it was special. Very emotional, for sure.
0: Here's a song that, they don't play in an encore, and if you haven't been punched in the gut enough in this show, here's another one to make sure you stay down and not get any sleep in your tent because you're basically keeled up in a corner. And So release is is in the second encore. They this is never this is never something that they do. The release is opener, get you in, get you out
3: he even mentioned to. he says we don't usually do this one in this place but you know special requests so they're right they're very fan friendly and they they realize the the importance and the impact that it will have and I, I went back and read some reviews and it mentioned that that they thought that Ed was crying through the whole song and you can definitely hear it in the bootleg like he's definitely like crying while singing oh.
4: ah uh, that's a yeah so so for me a little bit of very brief history on Pearl Jam for me you know when I was when I was about nine my you know I mentioned this earlier my dad had introduced me to 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 Pearl Jam so my dad was was sick a lot when I was a kid um so he was you know sitting on the couch listening to a lot of music playing his guitar when he could but that was early 90s when MTV was they actually played music um and I remember him again showing me all these videos he introduced me to like Rage Against the Machine and Alice in Chains and Pearl Jam and he loved Pearl Jam So you know fast forward 2006 My dad passes away after a really long battle with, um, you know, he had liver cirrhosis, had a liver transplant, all that. And uh, he finally, you know, finally it it got the best of him. And, um, you know, that song, obviously, I was, and Randy, you and I were talking about this before. I mean, it's almost like kind of cliche to even say, you know, everybody's like, oh, you know, I hear the song, I think about my dad. Well, you know what? It's true. So here I am now a year and a half later at this show, I'd never seen them before and in the back of my mind I almost didn't want them to play it because I knew I was just gonna fall apart. And then it came on and and I just remember and and I just remember it being so difficult to hear but at the same time I was so happy and I just had to. It was it was so hard. But then I think probably like at the second dear dad, I think I was just smiling and tears in my eyes and just looking up at this beautiful fucking sky with just the stars, right? And and just I could just feel, you know, I I don't know, you know, I a lot of people have different beliefs on you know what happens when you you know you pass on and so so on, but. It just kind of felt like he was there with me. And it was just, that to me was the point of the set that I'll always you know, I always go back and talk about the elderly woman moment and, you know, we'll get into, a, you know, a live later and, and all that when he says, hey, look at us, we're all still alive. You know, but like, that to me was, you know, because my dad got me into them and he had passed and we and we'd sit, my dad was the kind of guy where I would like, call him up like when I went into the military and I was like I would still call him like all the time because I I'm a big record collector so I'm always out digging for records going to Goodwill wherever I can and I just find like random shit right and I would still even when I was like in the military in the barracks I'd call him and I'd be like hey man I found this weird-ass record like check this out this is cool and I it. And he'd be like oh man cool you know like he was just that kind of guy right he just he was just a cool guy but anyway I don't want to harp on it too much and get too much into it, but uh, that was the most emotional point of the set for me. And when I listen to it this, to this day, it still makes me cry.
0: From anybody that's there going through that, I'm sure they're having similar moments. Whether or not it's a spiritual or or just a moment that they can just take a second and then just just think about it. It's why they're there it's you know they they write these songs for a purpose and they write these songs because they have as much of an attachment that they think everybody else is gonna have to them and and you know they wrote with with release finishing off you know their their debut album and finishing it off on such an emotional point is is just there's no
3: and it I think it speaks to the song, too, that, you know, 27, 28 years after the song was written, they can still channel kind of the original impact of it and the original, you know, kind of moment that it was, that created it, you know, all this time later, that just speaks to the, their power as a band and his power as a lyricist and vocalist. And yeah, like a lot of bands... You know, they play a song for twenty five, thirty years. You're just going through the motions, but you don't get that with this with Pearl Jam songs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's that's for sure. So you get like this is it's such a. I mean, this combo is never next to each other, but it feels like they're so intertwined in so many different ways. And you know, you would think that release is would fit in right at home with, with the mama son trio. You know, it would, uh, you know, it, it just feels like it's there. It's, it's a part of that. And to get them back to back to basically, you know, close out a massive show, like you said, to scream out, we're all still alive at the, at the end there, there's, I can't think of a more emotional and a more, just, it feels, it's almost like an accomplishment. It's an achievement that we all were there together. We all, you know, we all went through this and we all kind of, you know, um, with the 75,000 people, you know, you're you're saying that you're hanging on to the plywood. There are people in there that are probably in the middle that they don't have water, they don't have anything. And, And to get to that moment, it's this euphoria of like, there's nothing else in this world that, that, that matters and it's perfect.
4: It's just, again, it's just that experience, right? I mean, it's, it's unless you go to one of those, unless you go to a Pearl Jam show, right. Or a band of that caliber that's that in tune with their fans and, and, and their art, right. You just, you, you, that, you, it's hard to describe. But, yeah, I mean, that set again, it was – I I can't I, – I'm so incredibly fortunate that that was my first show. Like, that alone is, like, that is just it, – it still kind of blows my mind sometimes when I look back at that. Like, oh, my God, like, that was the – and, again, I, I'm like, man, I wish I would have went when I was younger, right? But whatever, I didn't, you know, so –
0: I think we're at the point of the set now where we can uh we can bring that discussion and start talking about Kanye <laughs> um, a man that we don't talk about on the show very much because well reasons um, yeah, so from what I've been able to gather from reading some articles, he made a big stink about wanting to go on when nobody else was playing, and he wanted every he wanted the whole place. To be focused and attention on him. And that's all he wanted. He didn't want to play during Metallica's set. He didn't want to play anybody else's set. He wanted everybody to be by his stage. And that was important to him. So he asked for this time slot. This 4 o'clock time slot or, or whatever it was in the morning. And the thing is that that gave Pearl Jam more time to kind of go off and do this set so they could come out for an extra song after their second encore and and kind of play it out a little bit. Because Kanye, they had to get off, off stage, and Kanye, his whole set production took two hours to put together. So people that wanted to sit there and wait for Kanye had to wait for two hours, which is just a little bit ridiculous. And, you know, I... I don't agree with Kanye on any of this, but I can see how he's pissed off, but he shouldn't be pissed off at Pearl Jam. He should be pissed off at himself.
4: Yeah. So I feel like I need to pour another glass of wine before we start talking about this one. But (laughs) so, you know, so this is how this all kind of went down. And so from if my memory serves me correctly, and I'm usually pretty good about this, Kanye was supposed to go on at, I think, three. And then, yeah. yeah. And then Ed made the comment about I, I and I can't remember exactly, but he made the comment He's, about I'm supposed to tell you like, guys to yeah. stay over here, right? But you, right. But Phil, but
1: Phil Lesh
4: is playing over there, right?
1: The uh, the people who put on this this beautiful festival has is, 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 is asked me to tell you that now is the time to take the. I'm not gonna say. It. i mean the t- if, if if you want to come on right at the beginning of con kind of, if you want yeah, yeah from
4: what I recall, they played the boys played longer, right they kept playing, and that pushed because you're right, it was like a two hour production
3: to get think the the glow day, in the pro jam played an hour longer than they were supposed to right yeah, yeah,
4: yeah, so because of that, obviously it pushes the stage production and setting that all up because it was the glow in the dark tour um so they had to get all this shit going it had to be at night and all this so anyway pearl jam sets over right two of the kids that were that had come with us really wanted to see kanye right and you know i'm a a hip-hop fan and i thought i thought kanye's first album i thought was a really good album right this is before kanye turned into kanye right but uh, so i was like cool i'll stick around whatever you know it's now like you know, after three in the morning, whatever, you know, at this point it's like, who the hell needs sleep? So we're sitting there and I remember it now being like maybe four fifteen ish in the morning. It's late. It's really late. We're all like, at this point, all the sweat is dried. It's starting to get a little cold. Everybody's getting kind of those shivers, right? From, you know, probably a little bit of sun poisoning slash being, you know, cause it was that was the thing with that weekend is it would rain and then the sun would come out and it'd be really hot and humid and then it'd rain again. It was just kind of one of those weekends. It was kind of, it was kind of miserable besides that night. So anyway, so we all left, right? And it was so now it's like, it's got to be like 4.30 in the morning, right? We get back to our tent and then we hear Kanye come on. We're like, what the fuck? He actually came in because people were getting pissed. People are getting pissed. People are screaming, fuck you, Kanye, blah, 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 right? Everybody's got, the crowd is getting pissed. What's left of the crowd anyway. So anyway, Kanye goes on, and I'm not there, right? But he plays for like maybe 45 minutes or so. And then he just walks off stage and doesn't say anything to the crowd, doesn't address the crowd, nothing, just walks off stage. So the next day, this is where the whole fuck Kanye thing, and if you go to Bonnaroo this day, to this day, and you yell, fuck Kanye, you will get at least 30 to 50 people in that general vicinity that will start chanting back, fuck Kanye. This is a real – this is a Bonnaroo thing. Um, so anyway, so the next day, there's – because they have all these big – those I talked about those plywood walls. They're all over the place. It's really cool too because – uh, graffiti artists, they let, they encourage like people to go in and not just graffiti artists, but people with just cans of spray paint, right. That just say, I love, you know, want to just write, I love you, mom. Right. Like people can just go in there and do whatever. Right. But there was all these murals of like Kanye with like a pig nose, like (laughs) people had like fuck on one sock and Kanye written on the other sock, like big knee high socks. Like (sighs) it just became a thing. Right. So that next summer before I went to my next Bonnaroo, because I just kept going back and I still have it. It's in my garage right now. Right. I took a piece, a sheet and I cut it. Right. And I took, I went to Michael's and I bought these big block letters, just big wooden blocks that are probably about the like six inches tall, each one. Right. And I, and I, laid them and I, and I got fuck Kanye and I put it on this sheet and I took a black can of spray paint and I just spray painted over the whole thing and then just took the blocks off. So I had this fuck Kanye flag. So I just started flying this thing. Right. So now fast forward 2014, they bring Kanye back and there's this whole like, forgive Kanye, fuck Kanye. That was all you heard all weekend. Forgive Kanye. Well, fuck Kanye. Right. Right. So, I have my flag. I wore that thing as a cape almost that entire weekend. I have pictures to prove this so yeah i I can understand where kanye 's coming from, but let 's face it, man. That dude is a prima donna, right to the fullest
0: He only gives a shit about himself He's and done. nobody else, nobody else exists in his universe, apparently. From the article I read, he apparently broke his laptop because he was typing on it so angrily during yeah. (laughs) Well, the aftermath of this, this
3: got kind of national news attention because he went on. He went the next day and wrote a blog post about you know, fuck Bonnaroo and fuck Pearl Jam. Like they took too long, they were slow breaking down their set, and it's not my fault. And the organizers should have done better. They should have cut them off and like. But like he was late getting there, he didn't evidently get to the festival until after three, three thirty or something. So, but yeah, it kind of became a national news story, and it was kind of the beginning of him kind of going off the rails, I think. Yeah, where well, was like that yeah, before
0: or after the Taylor Swift thing? Before I think that was before, yeah. Yeah, but that you're yeah, right. that might have been like, like
4: the birth of the death of well, not the death of Kanye for sure because yeah. he's still. Big and very much relevant. Unfortunately, <laughs> well,
3: but. but yeah, I think that he, that's the story of him. Like he wrote a very angry long blog post on his on his website the next day about it. Yeah, and it got kind of it kind of got picked up by the national news. So Pearl Jam kind of made made the news for a little while in 2008.
0: So there, that's the story of Kanye. And the Kanye story. Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And
3: look, Pearl
0: Jam comes out. They do Watchtower. And they try to get people to go see Phil Lesh, even though the promoters tell them to continue seeing Kanye. Because I'm sure the promoter is probably fearing for his life that if Eddie Vedder didn't tell 75,000 people to f- feast their eyes on Kanye West, Kanye was going to come out at him with a chainsaw. Because that's the <laughs> kind of person <laughs> that, that Kanye, Kanye is.
3: Yeah. Don't it's, they? Don't they, they mention, here? They so. mention Obama in Watchtower too. Doesn't he get? They, yeah. They do a little Obama, uh, Obama is approaching.
0: Yeah. yeah, I like that. That was a nice little touch. Um, so yeah, that, it's a really good capper of the night. That that's I, you know usually when they do that extra little you know that that very uh, that very rare encore three, it usually ends up being Watchtower, which is is kind of cool. I, I think I, I didn't. Know,
3: I think I read. Sorry, I think I read that Indifference and Ledbetter were on the set list.
0: Oh no, I I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Yeah, like I, I didn't see like I, I read that. I saw a handwritten set list, but it was only for the main set. Okay. Well, so, I remember
4: a lot of people a lot of people were bummed they didn't hear Ledbetter. Um, I can see that. Yeah. I can but see I that mean, that's like kind of the quintessential in cool at three in the morning. Yeah. That's like kind of like the quintessential Pearl Jam set ender, right? I mean I mean at this point it's either that or Baba, right? But I mean like yeah, everybody wants to hear Ledbetter, Better, right? I honestly personally didn't really I I cared,
3: but I was hoping for like a 45 minute version of rocket in the free world.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yes. So, uh, as we usually do on the show, uh, the two things that end the show, we give our top three moments and, uh, then we rate. So give, uh, give us your top three from this. I I have a feeling of what you're going to say, but you know, there could be some surprises in here. So is this a difficult one?
4: Uh, well, I don't think so, right? I think number one is, of course, that moment of release, right? Um, release is definitely the number one. Um, I think probably number two is probably Elderly Woman, just because I remember that so well. Um, number three might actually be, that might be tough. Um, I don't know. Pro- probably, maybe even just maybe even just Love Rain or because uh, again, that was just that was something I I you know I'd never heard them play on a boot or anything like that. And again, I I just going back to Ed being such a massive Who fan and just thinking like how he must feel to be able to play a song from his favorite band to a, you know almost a hundred thousand people. It's just gotta be like I, I just can't even I can't even imagine what that's gotta feel like. So I think I'd go with those three.
3: Okay, John, what do you got? So I mean, I could easily pick ten moments from this show. I'm gonna I'm gonna fudge the numbers a little bit, and my number three is gonna be a three song stretch of WMA, Better Man, and Black. I thought that was put together masterfully. Like that's a solid twenty five minutes of 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 Pearl Jam in three songs. It it was fantastic. Uh, my number two is gonna be a two song stretch. The opening up of uh Hard to Imagine into Quarter I thought was fantastic. And uh, my number one, I'm I'm gonna go with Mike and I'm gonna go with release as number one. It it really hit me after listening to this whole set, just listening to Ed breaking down while he's while he's singing really got to me. I thought it was thought it was special and uh that's my number one.
0: Yeah, it's hard not to put release in the top three when I'm kind of, you know, just browsing and, and looking. I know, I know what uh, one and two are, uh, but to think of a third re- release is really tough not to put in there because of the emotional ties and and where it is in the set, and it's and it's kind of tie into alive that you just don't think about the two songs. They're intertwined in, in so many different ways that uh, it it hits you in a different in a different way than it usually does uh, being there. So I'm gonna go release number three. Number two is the porch speech, and maybe it's just because where we are right now as a society and, and how I feel and, and some of the anger that I'm feeling towards things these days. But, um, that, that spoke to me more, more, or just as much as any Ed speech and rah-rah moment has ever spoke to me before. You know, i I, if I had a chance to go out and vote right now, I'd, I'd go to the polls, I'd go, I'd go March, I'd go protest uh you know, go make this world a better place. So yeah, that that porch that porch part is really, really important at uh keep emphasizing that. Um and uh number one to me, the the show stealer here is Love Rain or me. It's absolutely perfect. Um boom gets his moment to shine. Ed is just channeling everything from his inner Who fan, like you said, you know, people when they're kids you don't you don't think about growing up and playing your own music you think about growing up and playing the music you love there you know you love at, at that moment and that's that's why he does it and uh, you know people complain a lot why are they playing so many covers why are there so many covers of the show it's because it's because it means something to them and you know and, and if it does then it makes it makes the stage and it makes. The setting more meaningful, so that that to me, there was nothing better than in, in that set than that. So uh, let's uh, let's give a rating for it, Mike. You can uh, you can kick us off.
4: You're gonna put me on the spot, huh? Well, everybody gets to be put on the spot. I'm it's a, yeah, well, I mean, equal, equal opportunity. opportunity. I'm a little biased here, right? I mean, it's you know, I mean, there's there's it being my first Pearl Jam show, it being my first Bonnaroo, it being. Uh what well what's your what's your what's your rating scale again? Uh one to ten. One to ten. I think I'd uh, no, this is okay. I think don't it would overthink probably it. Don't no, it, don't don't overthink it. No, I'm trying not to overthink it. it. I think I'd give the show an eight. Whoa. Which is okay. very bold, which is very bold, right? But again, the well, show for me that's is That's lower show... than I thought.
0: Yeah, so I, I meaningful. You were well, give this i 10. I was I gonna
4: give. Well, I thought about giving it a ten, but I don't really give anything a ten for anything, just because.
0: No, I, I, I understand that.
4: Uh, I, you know, I'm not gonna, and I'm not gonna second guess myself. I'm gonna but go. Is this
0: the best show that you've ever been to? Or this no? is the
4: best show I've ever been to.
0: So I mean, so I guess you've if never I say it's the best been to a show that's better than an eight? Think about that for a second.
4: <sighs> All right. Fine. We're going to go
0: with the
4: 10. Okay. We're going to go with the 10.
0: That's a two point. That's a two point difference.
4: That That is is, a two point.
3: Did I say I
0: wasn't going to second guess
4: myself? Is that what I said? Something like that? that No, we can, we'll
3: cut that part out.
4: Yeah. Cut that part out. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to give the show a 10 first Pearl Jam show. First Bonnaroo. I mean, the set list is just in, again, uh, obviously we've, we talked about it a little is just incredible. I mean the way it's the way it is constructed is is it's perfect it really is
3: well i am going to give the set itself a nine, but i'm going to give i'm gonna award a bonus point for pissing off Kanye West, so I will also give it a ten <laughs> <laughs> nice
0: so this there's some gray area there. No, it's, it's, or it's is a it, 10. Or is it a 10? It's, it's a 10. It's a, it's a 10. Okay.
3: But bonus um, points awarded. Yeah, that counts.
0: Yeah. I think while talking about this with, with you guys, I think that I didn't realize that this show is more special in the grand scheme, you know, in the grand scheme of Pearl Jam shows and their history, that this show is has sort of a landmark uh you know, kind of tie to it um and before going into this, I was just thinking, oh a pretty good festival show, but no this is this is um this is better than your average festival they don 't do a lot of of u s festivals, most of the ones that they do are you know in uh in Belgium and spain and and those kind of places so to get one in the u s and I you know again. Maybe they did like Jazz Fest and a couple of those other ones, but not too many. I and Bonnaroo, like at this at this time, I'm thinking because it was around like 2005, 2006 where people started to really talk about Bonnaroo. Bonnaroo like the height of the festival game. And if you're headlining Bonnaroo, you ain't know nobody. You're a big deal. It's a really big deal to be at this show. Um, the set is construction is next to perfect. Uh, I uh, I think it's I think it's a really really good nine that I'm gonna go back to at some point and listen to a lot. If if you want versions of songs that are just that feel like you know they have epic builds and and epic rises then yeah this is this is the show for you that uh, so i'm i'm fine with giving it a nine i don't give tens very often anyway so um you know pink pop 2000 is more of my kind of festival but, but after you still... after
3: you bullied mike into giving a 10 you're not even getting it 10.
0: <laughs> well he was there
3: no He's pressure, there, bro.
0: and he also, like, his experiences... I'm, I'm just pointing out
3: the hypocrisy when I see it.
0: There is, no, there is no, my experience, because I was giving it, I didn't want to give more than him. He had to give more than me, or equal to me, because his experiences, you know, they were more important than than anything I had to do with the think so. I just think
3: these people would be happy if we had tens across the board, that's all I'm saying.
0: I'm here to give them informed opinions. All right, you you heard it. We tried. I'm fine. I'm fine
3: with my decision.
0: All right. So yeah, we had to convince you to go two points higher. And yes, there it could be it, was, it could it be right considered controversial. Yeah, it was the right call for, for it you. It was the
4: right call. Honestly, I I I don't know. I'm just. That's typically what I usually always go to. Right? Like if I love something, and I really feel that strongly about it. On a 1 to 10, I usually give it like an 8.
3: I once gave a show a 17 on this show, so don't feel bad.
0: <laughs> 17.
3: John
4: God. also
0: can't count 1 through 10. So,
3: Well,
4: yeah, I was going to say there's a problem with math, but that's okay.
0: Mike, we thank you for your patronage. We thank you for your friendship and joining us to tell all your great and stories Absolutely, today. man. Thank you for
3: telling us the stories, <laughs> and thank you for sharing your experience like that that was great. Whether to hear or not a, you a wanted them, experience to, of a show like this, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, you did a great job. Thanks.
0: Whether whether or not you wanted them to be a ten, it, it was a ten. So we weren't. I wasn't getting out of this without that number. Just to just to let you know.
4: No, I figured as much. I could tell. <laughs> but look, guys, I really thank you very much for the opportunity. Um, this was really. I was. I've been very excited about this. I was almost kind of nervous about it because I was like going back to the set and listening to it and like trying to remember as much as I could. A lot of it just kind of comes back to you naturally when you hear it. But I, yeah, again, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate everything that you guys do too, as well. You know, and for everybody out there, for all the listeners out there, you know, make sure you continue to support Live and Four Legs, the definitive Pearl Jam podcast. <laughs> hear that plug? You like that, huh?
0: That's couldn't have said it better myself. I've said it eighty four times every episode, and I, just,
4: and I just said it better once. Yeah, hear we're that? gonna we're gonna have You're to clip welcome. that
0: and put that where I say it in yep. every episode. So I think
4: that makes more sense. People probably want to hear my my voice more anyway. <laughs> so,
0: um so I'm gonna let you guys go. I'm gonna
4: hop off here. Um All right, man. And I appreciate it, you guys. Have a good night. All
0: right, take care. And on that note, uh next week. We are doing Verona 2000 and that's for all of you patrons that have gotten the bootleg. Remember to download it and we are doing the forum. So it should be up by the time this episode is up. So if you want to get in that discussion, we'll get some things down and we'll get your uh, comments in the episode. So, uh, we will see you next week. That was a jam packed episode that we had just there, but, uh, it was good to get all that stuff in there. And, uh, any last parting words, John
3: black lives matter. Make the change.
0: There you go. Okay. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already. And I miss you always for Randy and John. And thanks again to Mike for requesting this episode and his patronage as always. And if you want to be a patron, go to patreoncom slash live on four legs and contribute. And, uh, you know what? We're very close to 50. When we hit 50, I'm going to do something special for everybody, something that John doesn't even know. So hang on to that. If you want to be part of that 50, we're, we're four away. Head on over. Help us out. Anyway, uh, yes, we will uh, see you back next week for Verona. Until then, good luck with your
2: lives. Two riders, we're
0: approaching.
2: Two riders, we're approaching. Two riders, we're approaching. Obama is approaching i